All right. Thank you for hopping on to another episode of Double B Creates. Today you have Kevin doing a solo interview with probably somebody he really looks up to as far as uh, let's, let's call him a celebrity in the business world. <laughs> we were on a call a couple of weeks ago and, and you popped in uh, one of the, the bi-weekly calls with Rob Garcia and he like stopped the whole meeting. He was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got a huge celebrity coming in. Everybody shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, we're talking to Sean Douglas today. Uh, thank you so much for, for hopping on, man. I, I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity and uh, time of day, really. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I'm really honored. Yeah, man. So from what I understand, I mean, you've got your hands in a lot of stuff, but you just uh, submitted your retirement from military. I did. I did. I just submitted my retirement. I uh, just hit my 19th year. And so I applied for military retirement and we'll finish next year at 20 years. That's awesome, man. Um, it, I thought you said something like your last day was going to be in December this year or something like that. Yeah. So next year, December 1st, I become a civilian or retiree. And with my time saved up and some other transition programs that the military has, like SkillBridge, uh, it'll get me out six months sooner than with my terminal leave. I should be ending sometime in February. Okay. So, yeah, this, this episode is probably going to come out uh, second week of January, I believe. Perfect. Uh, so, it'll be like a month after this airs. That'll be awesome. awesome. Um, I appreciate you and your service, really. Um, we we talked to Michael Dolbo at one point and I was like, man, thank you for your service. And he was like, don't say that. And I was like, well, he's like, you pay your taxes, right? And I was like, look, how? and he was like, no, thank you for your service and giving me a job. And I was like, oh, <laughs> never thought of it right. that way. Like, you're welcome. I, I what? <laughs> um, so you were in the Air Force from what mm -hmm. I understand that's that's yeah. awesome uh, so was robin i was giving crap for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we always do i always give crap to certain jobs though like you can join the air force and have an easy life working a bunch of noners like uh in, like the marines and army they call them pogues but we call them noners so and, and everybody hates that when you call somebody a noner they just absolutely hate that because <laughs> the each branch of service has their own job right so if you're a marine you are a Marine first, and then whatever your job is, whether you work finance or infantry or whatever. Um, they always say you're an infantryman always, um, or rifleman always, or then the armies, uh, you know, they're infantry or grunts or ground pounders or knuckle draggers, whatever you want to call them. So in the Air Force, you're a maintainer first. Like if you join the Air Force, you better be either security forces or you better be a maintainer. Anything else, if you work like uh, even if you're back shop, but I mean, if you're working like, you know, if you work admin or like finance, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where am I going? Like, let me go do the real work. Like go sit, you know, like 10, 10 or 15 years ago, there was this huge story and it, even other branches were like, what? No effing way. And a finance person, I think a junior grade must've been like E5, E6 got a bronze star for what she did in the desert. And then I was like, oh, dude, like she must have like killed a lot of people. Or, like she must be wood or something. No, she processed people's pay in the desert and got a bronze star. And everybody was like, what? And it was just like, like hate from like all the branches. All of the Air Force was like, no way did she get a bronze star for processing, like she didn't do anything else. She wasn't in combat. She was, she, I, would, I mean, yeah, Middle East got it, but I think she was even like Qatar or like UAE or, you know, someplace like Oman or so. I, I don't even know where she was. She wasn't in Iraqistan, you know what I'm saying? Like we've all been to, you know, I've been to Kirkuk in Iraq. I've been to Bagram Airfield in Afghanistan. Um, I have not been to Kandahar Station, but we we went through that that area. Mm. So I mean, I've been in and out of AORs, you know, a lot. But man, that was like, what a huge slap in the face that was. And even then, there was another article that came out that said all the hate she got. So the Air Force Times reported on her getting that, and then they did another article saying how much hate she got. 
<laughs> so, wow. so yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> so, you had, uh, you had mentioned, uh, transition in that state. Yep. And since you're about to transition, uh, back to civilian life, um, what are your plans to do that? Because I know, um, Obviously, the, there's the 22 a day uh, suicide yep. rate, which I just heard was a lot higher. Um, That's 26 now, but we always stay with 22. Two years ago, it was at 18, 18, 19. But we always just say 22 because that seems to be the kind of the medium. medium. And then if you add yeah. first responders to it, it's 35. Huh. I didn't rec- realize that was first responders. And then uh, there's another stat that says that a 20-year or a lifer – Right, it could be 30, it could be 25, it could be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a military retiree that ages out of the military has a life expectancy of five years because of whatever their reason is, they take their lives or they have uh, debilitating um, ailments or they get MEB'd or something happens, but they, they have a life expectancy of five years. So once you once you uh, get past that five-year mark, then you're, you know, you're, you're way good. And I've said this many times that a couple of buddies call me, you know, and they're like eight months, nine months out of their military career. And they call me like, man, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do, man. I, I can't do this. I'm like, go to school. Go. I was like, no, like, I can't do this, man. I, I sit here and wish I was back in. Like, I don't have a purpose. Gotta have a purpose. So I set myself up early. I built my first real business. I kind of dabbled in high school and did some other, you know, off the wall jobs and things, but built my real business in 2004 and we created an entertainment company. Me and a bunch of military dudes got together and created an entertainment company. We were the AV guys for conferences and events, uh, speakers, weddings, wedding videos. We were marketing businesses. We were just an entertainment company. Hmm. And then I said, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. So I got out of that in 2008. And then in from 2011, 10 ish, 2010 started dabbling. And in 2011 to 13, I, my wife and I built an antique and collectible store called vintage dreams. And then we moved from San Antonio, Texas to North Carolina and we sold our whole store and everything in it. And then we started another business in 2016, training, speaking, coaching, business consulting, showing people how to create launch and monetize businesses, products, speakers, podcasts, you know, that whole thing. And then I launched my podcast, Life Transformation Radio in 2017. I launched my fourth business in 2019 called LYB Clothing Inc., which is an affirmation and empowerment clothing line. And then I'll ramp that up next year when I go into retirement and then I'll go speaker full time and I'll just help people build businesses. And then my wife wants to, after she gets out of cosmetology school, wants to open up her own salon. So that'll probably be the fifth business I create uh, will be her um, hair salon. Well, you just answered my next question. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you about your podcast, uh, Life Transformation Radio. And uh, yeah. Uh, some of the other stuff that you're working on. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Life Transformation Radio is a live online radio show that's repurposed into a podcast. And I use Blog Talk Radio to host it. What I use Blog Talk Radio for is they give you a phone number so that your listeners can dial in while you're live and they can ask questions live on the show, just like you would an FM show. And I looked at doing an FM radio show, but it only hits like your local area. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hit globally. Well, online is global. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to do FM radio. It'd be nice to have a studio, but I think podcasting and online radio is kind of where I want to be. So that's what I'm going to do. And then, um, so we did that. We did Life Transformation Radio, 400 and I think 30 some odd episodes in, almost 430 episodes. I've spoken at PodFest outliers podcast festival i was on the media team for the spartan race world championships on lake tahoe in 2019 i'm considered an icon of influence in the new media space Uh, i speak at an event called new media summit uh national publicity summit i'm on a media panel i was just last saturday a couple days ago uh on a media panel with the um nbc producer of the uh of the today show um Dr. Oz, Rachel Ray, 
you know, a lot of the media producers uh, and us get together and we just have a media panel. Like, why do you want to be on podcasts? Why should you be on the media? What, what type of shows and, and all that. So it's really, after we launched the show, man, it really took off. So I haven't won any awards or I haven't really applied for awards either. I don't even know how to get awards. Uh, but, uh, you know, the podcast has always been like the top, top 100 shows on Apple. It's always, it was just in November labeled the top five best podcast by veterans podcasted by veterans. So it was a bunch of us in there. Chris Hoffman was in there. Robert Thibodeau was in there. Uh, it, it was almost like every single person on this top 25 list like I knew who they were, which was super cool. James Snow was in there. Uh, Richard Kaufman Kevin, was in Kevin there. So Richard Kaufman. Yep. 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 Super and cool, man. Rich just uh, just did a three part series with us. Actually, that was really fun. Yeah. I, I yep. really like his that. style. He's uh, he really likes to get deep with people. Oh yeah. And so we just launched another podcast, and we're going to start ramping this one up. It's called Create, Launch, Monetize Podcast. And in this podcast, uh, you'll see it come out like this week, maybe next week. Um, you'll see a lot of the episodes start rolling in and me start blasting a lot of this stuff. And it through the episodes, we teach you how to create, launch, and monetize your book, your podcast from start to finish, a speaker career, how to launch a business, how to market it, how to monetize it. And a lot of people are like, well, I want to make money from it. Everybody... Everybody knows how to, how to create something. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows like, oh, I want to create this and they'll figure it out. Most people can figure out how to launch something. You have to have a launch sequence, an emailer, uh, a website. And people figure this stuff out, but not a lot of people know how to monetize something. How do I make money from that? And you have to look at it from the customer standpoint. You have to look at it from the customer journey. If I walk into your business, what is the first step? A greeting. So what's the greeting going to be? So you literally, if I walk, like you can take anything, you walk into Walmart, Target, a restaurant, a car dealership, an online business, a podcast. You know, when I first joined, you're like, hey, how's it going? What you been up to? Let's talk, right? We're building rapport with each other, right? And then you start asking the questions and they get deeper as we go. We get deeper into content. The meat's always in the middle of the show. And so do I do a mid-roll for my podcast? Do I do a pre-roll? Do I do ads? Do I do sponsors? And so there's a lot to be discussed about how to monetize something. Do I need click funnels? Well, funnels are just a tool. Whether you use click funnels, Infusionsoft, HubSpot, it doesn't matter. It's just a tool. It's a customer tool. So you have to figure out when you're building your podcast or creating your books, your coaching programs, products, services, whatever it is that you want to make money from, how do you take the customer through the journey? That's it. That's, that's what, I mean, there is no secret to success. It's already been done for you. Just model what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I like that topic a lot. Um, I actually had that conversation with my wife not too long ago. She was like, how do you expect to make money off of a podcast? Like how, why is that? Like, I don't, I can't fathom how that would work. And I was like, well, you could write a book, you could get sponsorship. There's VIP packages, programs, you can do merchandise stores, stuff like that. Right. Like, oh, I didn't think of any of those. <laughs> so I see some bows behind you. Yeah. So if it's a Browning or if it's a Matthews or if it's, you know, just another compound bow, whatever, contact the company and say, hey, I use your products all the time you know, would you mind sponsoring one of our podcast episodes? You know, so like, for example, you know, whether you have shotguns or rifles or whatever, you know, November 15th in Michigan is, oh, is, is rifle season or shotgun season, whatever, firearm season for deer. Mm -hmm. So ahead of the November 15th opening day for deer, I'm contacting hunting companies and say, hey, would you want to sponsor an episode of our show? We have a lot of entrepreneurs who hunt. And, you know, we'd love to do something because November 15th is opening day in Michigan and, you know, contact Gander Mountain in Michigan, Gander Mountain or Cabela's or Bass Pro or a manufacturer like Browning, Matthews, you know, one of those. I'm like, hey, would you want to sponsor an episode? Right now it's $25, it's $75 per 1,000 downloads. 
So if you got about 10,000 downloads, man, you could easily make 2,500 bucks right. or even maybe a thousand. Like, Hey, would you want to sponsor our podcast for a thousand bucks? We'll give you four episodes, right? So 250 each episode. We have these many downloads. We have this many, right? And then you just start getting sponsorships that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like when we started, I had all this stuff up here and I took most of it down for that exact reason. They're not paying me. I'm not going to let their stuff show on the right. <laughs> you know? But but have them like just just contact them, have that conversation with them. You know, contact the marketing department and say, hey, podcasting. You know, 55% of people have heard at least one episode of a podcast mm -hmm. two years ago. Actually, in 2017, 37% of people even heard of what a podcast was. Like, yeah, I kind of know, like 37%. That means that the other 67% of people have never, ever heard of, like, what's a podcast? I don't know what that is. What's a podcast? Now, three years later, 55% have actually heard at least a episode of a podcast. That's, that's crazy upswing. I didn't realize it was that low. I thought it was higher. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Which means that there's a lot of room to grow in the podcast space. And what you'll see is a lot of people, because, you know, it goes with the times. So a lot of people are going to be like, oh, we'll show you how to create a podcast. We're good. And then when podcasts are played out, it'll be like, oh, we'll teach you how to get your business on virtual reality or something like VR is going to be big voice speakers, right? Like those are going to be big. Uh, I mean, every play, everywhere attention goes is where people are going to flock to and then try to build a business around that and try to get money from that. Right. You're going to see the trends and try to get ahead of the curve or at least yep. to the beginning stages of. Absolutely. Um, I actually just got an email the other day. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but um, Sirius Satellite Radio yeah. sent me an email saying that they're going to launch a uh, podcast channel yeah uh, that's going to be huge for the podcast yeah. world and uh yeah the last statistic i heard i don't know if this is still accurate but there's 240 something thousand podcast channels out there now and like actual podcasts or podcast channels like podcast shows like uh, so right now we're at 1.37 million podcasts okay so it's jumped substantially yeah, so last year it was about 550, almost 600,000. This year it's 1.37 million podcasts approximately. Now here's a crazy stat. 74% of the 1.37 million podcasts have not uploaded an episode in the last 90 days. They've pod faded out. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. They, if you don't upload the way Libsyn and Apple and a lot of the, the pod hosting softwares count pod fading is when you don't upload an episode within 90 days, that means you've pod faded out. You're probably not going to probably not going to upload an episode anytime soon. And a lot of podcasts I see, they haven't loaded episodes since 2018, 2019, you know, or you'll see podcasts came out in May and haven't uploaded an episode since July. Cause it's hard. Podcasting is not easy, right? It's mm -hmm. hard. It's not just sitting down with an interview. You've got to get the promos. You got to get the ads. You got to get the marketing, the intro, the outro. You got to make sure everything's good and make sure your guest actually gives really good content. It's, it's, it's a tough racket. 74% yeah. have not uploaded an episode in the last 90 days. That means if you take the 1.37 million and take away that 74%, you're looking at about 330,000 active podcasts. So your number is not too far off. 274, I think you said 274. So 330,000 pod active podcasts. Well, and I, I also heard a statistic too that said um, a big chunk of those, I can't remember the number, uh, they pod fade or die within 13 episodes. Correct. 13 episodes. So yep. like we just hit our 50 mark and we're like, yes, we're solid. <laughs> <laughs> no pod fading here. We're good. We're not going to yes. die. <laughs> right. Those yeah. It's, like about, it's about 13 episodes. Usually they don't make it past 13. Usually about nine, 10. They start tailoring from once a week to once every two, three weeks, mm -hmm. but you'll see the, every week, every week, every week. And then it's like, skip the week, skip two weeks. Oh, another episode, skip a month, another 13 done. They're just, they're just done. Yep. So well, it's, it's kind of the same thing with like any brick and mortar business too. I mean, you've got to yeah. 
expect to not make any profit the first year. And yep. what was it? Well, like 70%, 60%, something like that. Don't make it past that first year. Yeah, it's about Especially 70, 80%. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 70, 80%. Yeah. Just don't make it past their first year in business. That's why, that's why I tell people, if you're going to launch a business and you have a job, you never, ever, 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 ever get rid of that job until your side hustle, your business is actually making more than your job. If your side business is making more than your job, then yes, quit your job. But not until then. I'm going to quit my job and be a full-time entrepreneur. Hope you like food stamps. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big misconception too that um, I, I honestly didn't realize uh, when I started looking into and following entrepreneurship uh, some years ago. I was like, man, if you're, uh, if you're self-employed, you're, you're well off in this and that. Because everyone's like, oh, I've got a Lamborghini or whatever, like all those assholes. <laughs> but... <laughs> The more I started to meet people and, and actually get to know people on a personal level, I was like, holy shit. Everybody's not broke, but like in the same financial position as anyone else that I sure. that has a career like in the tech world or anything. Yeah. Um, and um, a lot of it's a facade. And uh, I didn't really learn this until about a year ago that there's there's a lot of fakes out there that just want your money and don't care about you as a person. Yep. And uh, I, I really like that point that you just made about never quitting your job because I've, I've actually interacted with a lot of life coaches that are like, if you want to work with me, you've got to quit your job now and you've got to be all in. I'm like, no, screw you. I'm, no. Yep. No, that's <laughs> horrible advice. That's, that's ridiculous. Why, why would you ever do that? I can't That's tell ridiculous. you how many times I've heard that from various people. I'm like, nope, you're gone. Bye. <laughs> I'm not talking. That's ridiculous. I would. That's the worst advice ever. You never ever quit your job until your side hustle, your side business, is making just as much, if not more, than the income that you're bringing home from your nine to five. Well, not only that, too. A lot of people don't exactly know what they want. Like, I think it would be really cool to open like a food truck, but I'm not a chef like i wanted to go to culinary school and stuff like that sure it's kind of been like a back-end passion but do i really want to do it full-time is that something that i really want to like exert that much energy into because you won't make that much off of a food truck i mean it would be fun but is it worth the effort probably not and i would probably honestly sell it within the first year and move on to something else well then invest in a food <laughs> truck be an investor exactly exactly yeah, be an investor in the food truck industry. And a lot of people just like, they don't recognize that they may have an immediate passion or like a hobby type passion, but it's not what they want to do with their life. And then they get into it and realize, oh, I screwed up. I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. Well, then what? <laughs> like you either pivot your business and move into something else or you add something else onto it. Like you kind of hit this weird breaking point too. If you don't have that solid income, you're kind of screwed. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Especially now with like pandemics and things shutting down. Like I know a lot of people, like our business thrived during this pandemic because everything's online. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we did a lot of speaking engagements in person, but we can always do them online. Mm -hmm. I can always do virtual trainings for companies. You know, companies will pay you two, three, five thousand $5,000 to do a, a, some kind of a training, you know, for leadership or whatever. It'd be great to do it in person, but you can't really say right? So yeah, that's like what you those, do. Those corporate trainings and stuff that a lot of companies have. Yep. I mean, they'll you got to get people trained. Yeah. They'll bring right? in so, like the managers and have like a management meeting, uh, training yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Team leadership know. meeting. Yep. So, you know, I tell everybody to launch their book. If you lost your job, you should be writing a book. You have nothing else better to do. You lost your job, you're on unemployment, whatever, you're teleworking, whatever it is that you're doing, launch your books. We launched a bunch of books this year. We launched a bunch of podcasts for people this year. I've worked with more people this year, launched more stuff this year, you know, earn more income this year, revenue from the business. So, you know, th this is where people is, are, are right now is online. They got it. They have nothing else to do. 
and said, well, I lost my job. Now's the time to go ahead and do what I wanted to do. Well, one thing about that too, um, I mean, a lot of people are like really nervous about their job and stuff like that. Sure. And they're like, I don't know if I'm going to go back to the office or if I'm going to be stuck here, if they're going to end up downsizing. I was talking, I was helping a neighbor out uh, a couple of weeks ago and just met the guy for the first time. I've been here like two years and uh, I go into his house and it's just full of stuff. It's it almost looked like right at first glance. I was like, holy shit, I'm in a hoarder house. <laughs> you need to call Tammy Moses. No. <laughs> so uh, right. I start looking around and all the stuff is brand new in boxes and there's multiples of it. And he was like, oh, I see you're kind of looking around. Let me explain why my house looks like this. And I was like, okay. He's just a, a guy, no kids or anything. And uh, he buys all of this, this product wholesale and resells it on eBay. Capital, yep. right? And that's, yep. that's like the number one thing, like that people like, uh, I don't want to name drop because I don't like the, the people, but a lot, of, a lot of these guys are like, oh, if you're so broke and you can't make it to the, tell your next paycheck, guess what? Look around your house. Look how much shit you're sitting on. You yep. ever heard of eBay? <laughs> like, if you have yep. an old flannel shirt, put the word vintage in it, it just went up 20 bucks. <laughs> yep. And yeah. that's exactly what he does. That's all he does. And he's done it for 20 years, paying all of his bills and he's fine. One of the things, so this is so funny, man. So I like flea markets and, and I still collect things and I still, you know, I think it's fun. I think it's great to, to go history, whatever. So there's a couple of auctions and some, uh, some storage auctions and things that I do. And I'm still in that stuff. And ever, it's just because I sold the business. I mean, I don't do it anymore, right? Well, found a guy. He was selling these movie posters, original movie posters. And he sold me a box of them for like 50 bucks. And they're all rolled up in this, in this square box. And they're all original movie posters that they say like promotional use only, like all that stuff, right? Like they're not like replicas or whatever. These are all, movie, they're double-sided. Like when you go to the movie theater, you can see through the poster and it's like double-sided. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of that stuff. I bought a box, 50 bucks. That's what he sold it to me. I was like, 50 bucks. I'm like, okay, cool. So I put them on eBay. I sold like 10 of them. I was like, oh, I wonder how many more boxes he had. I bought five boxes. <laughs> of 50 but i've sold 230 some odd dollars worth of those posters nice yeah i mean yeah. I, I paid 50 dollars a box so i got a total of five boxes total from the guy so i might be paid 250 dollars, i guess 225 dollars and, and broke even and i pretty much broke even and i still have a ton of posters left because well, i'm selling them for 10, 15, 20, $25 each. Right. Plus the seller pays for shipping. It's $8 to ship anywhere priority mail, $8. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, cool. The poster is $15, sold two the other day, $15 plus $8 shipping. I was like, well, would you sell it for 10? I'm like, sure. So I'm gonna profit $10 off that poster and he's gonna pay the $8 for shipping. Now each roll of tube, is about $5, but if you buy three of them, they're $4.57 a roll. So if I sell three posters at um, $10 each, that's $30 minus the four, eight, 12 plus the 50. So what, 14, $15 in posters, I'm still making a $15 profit. I ain't trying to get rich. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get my name out there. A lot of times I'll just sell a bunch of stuff so that I get the, the seller ratings on eBay. That way when I sell big stuff, crazy collect like thousands of dollars worth of stuff like they're gonna see that i have a pretty good seller rating so i always start off selling like these little things like real quick and then i'll sell them on facebook and i'll sell them everything place else and then you'll see a seller rating go up and then i'll go in with the big stuff so but i like that stuff you know and it's, it's just i like a variety of things that i can sell yeah i was in a some sort of challenge group not too long ago and uh it was like try to make x amount of dollars from ebay by you know the end of three weeks or whatever and this dude hit up a, a yard sale and came across a box of playboys and he paid a, <laughs> paid a hundred bucks for him and one of them was the marilyn monroe one 
Oh, thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. He won <laughs> just off that box alone. Uh, I think he, I think he said he sold it for like sixty-seven hundred dollars or something like that. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so if you know what you're looking for and you come across something like that, they're like, "Oh, hey, ten bucks, sweet, right?" I just sold it for a thousand. You win. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. Um, right. It, you can it, pretty much sell anything. Like, like I've got, I've got some stuff sitting over here, man. That you you know the old um, boxing flyers. Yes, I've got a bunch of that stuff sitting over here, like Muhammad Ali and Tyson, and like all that stuff. Like, like they're the flyers, mm-hmm. you know. And and you know they put them out in different. Like you'll see in like old barber shops, you know. And they got all these flyers. I got a bunch of that stuff. I got a bunch of uh, of Kiss. Um, of the kiss flyers for like concerts they're having and like all like i got a bunch of that stuff man in like 20 years that stuff's gonna be worth a lot of money because mm-hmm. you can't find the the longer time goes the less of those like in the 80s a 60s mustang or camaro probably wasn't a whole lot of money in the 90s they went up 2000s they went up by like 2050, it's going to be even more money. By 2100, it's going to be like millions of dollars, right? I mean, because the ones that are that are ready to go, they're restored, their pristine conditions are 30, 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars right now, anyways. Mm-hmm. Back in the 80s, they probably weren't probably 10 or 12 thousand because you know that's not that old. But as the cars rust, as they're not available anymore, all those classic cars are going to be rarer and rarer and rarer and that it's just like anything else man all those flyers will get destroyed if you have one a collector wants it that's who you're seeking out anyways Mm -hmm. you're trying to seek out those collectors your target market is a collector and you're buying it for that collector i always tell like you have to go out and find like what do you want the most if i could get you anything what would it be and somebody will tell you, like, man, if I really had this one thing, it was from my childhood, whatever, my grandfather had, whatever their story is, try to find it. Try to find it for them. You know, I always ask people, like, did you, did you look? Do you know what it costs? Do you know what you're looking for? It's the same thing in business, right? How can mm-hmm. I serve you? Well, this is what I'm looking for. And I've always taken that approach. What am I looking for? I learned a lot about customer service and loyalty and rewards in my second business working in the antique and collectibles because you use a lot of what's called prospect theory, which is amazing if you have a business and you research what prospect theory is, you will learn what the buyer's mind is telling them. So they always say that buyers buy with emotion and justify with logic. But the prospect theory talks about the value that I place on the item as a seller is different than the value that the buyer places on that same exact item. Mm -hmm. If you have a family heirloom, there's a sentimental value that's, that's hidden inside this item. Mm -hmm. The seller doesn't care about your family heritage. So their value of that item is completely different. Now, if I'm buying something that oh my gosh, my childhood was so complete with this one G.I. Joe action figure, I must have it. The seller does not have that same buying power as you do. They don't care about this item. They just want it gone. You'll see it. $1,000, just take it. I don't care about this car. Dude, it's like a rare 64 and a half Mustang. Oh my God. Like I don't care about Mustangs. I like Camaros. Get this thing out of here, right? They don't care. Right. But the Mustang collector does. Just like when I sold a bunch of lunch boxes, I had all the plastic lunch boxes with it. I had like 30 of them. A guy came in and bought them all. They were priced for 30 to $40. I gave him a deal. We priced out everything. And I said, take, I don't know, 40 to $50 off. Take $60 off, whatever it was, right? Let me, let me factor in how much all this costs and we'll do a percentage. Instead of taking off each individual one, we'll just take off like, let, let's see what it costs, right? But he bought them all because a lot of them had the thermoses. They were Kiss lunchboxes, He-Man, uh, Voltron, all of the lunchboxes you'd have in the 70s and 80s, right? Mickey Mouse, all of this stuff. But he was a collector. His, his buying power 
was a lot more than my buying power. My buying power is I'm trying to sell something. That's my, I got to buy the customer. There's a transaction that gets, gets placed in each and every transaction. So either I sell you on the reasons why you need it, or you sell me on the reasons why you don't need it. So my buy, I'm trying to buy that customer. I'm trying to buy his loyalty. I'm trying to buy his money. I'm trying to buy the sale, but he's also trying to get a good deal. He's trying to figure out, do I really need that or not? So there's a transaction taking place. I love the ones where he's like, oh my God, I want that so bad. What will you take for it? Like, well, it's priced for 50. It's like, man, would you take this, man? I really want it. So now there's no, there's not really like he, like you're holding the cards, right? Mm-hmm. But he wants it more. He has more buying power. He's like, man, I'll get, like, he's ready to give you the money. He, he holds the cards at that point. Right. So now you got to be like, man, I got to meet this guy somewhere. Do I really want that sale? How bad do I want that sale? So there's jockey for position going on. Sometimes I'd be like, I don't want to sell it for any less than 50. He's like, come on, man, 45. I'm like, man, I got to get 50. Like, I know what it's worth. I got to get 50 out of it. And sometimes I'll go, you know what? Never mind. Or they'll go, oh, fine. Because they really want it. I'll always meet somebody. I'll always be like, damn, 10 bucks off. I'm like, sure, let's do this. Like, because I, I always want to, like, I'm in the customer service business. I want to make sure that that guy is really happy. You know? So, Prospect theory is something that everybody should research. And it talks about the sentimental value. It talks about the value that I place on an item as a buyer, as opposed to the seller, the the value that I place on an item as a seller, as opposed to the buyer. And so, man, after you learn that, you learn that you're not, like if I want to launch somebody's podcast, I'm not selling them a podcast. I'm selling them a vehicle to monetize. I'm selling them a way to get their message out. I'm selling them a way so that they can enter into the media space and really reach the people that they want to reach. So you got to go deeper. A lot of people solve, solve uh, superficial problems and you got to go deeper with your, with the people that you would do business with. Yeah. I, I like that you're going to do it in podcast form because, Mm -hmm. um, we bought a course from Zach Babcock at Underdog Empowerment. Yeah, that does that the is. same thing. He uh, he walks through like yeah. how to come up with your idea, how to launch, yeah. what programs you need, and uh, all the way down to monetization and yeah. marketing and stuff like that. Sure. But it was in like a video course with worksheets and stuff like yeah. that. So I like your idea of doing it in the podcast form just because it's different i think it's going to set you apart and be a little bit more unique oh yeah everybody and their dog has a freaking course on something now (laughs) am i right everybody has (laughs) yep and and did that course work for you did you guys did you guys utilize that course to the best of your ability uh no yeah most people don't there's nothing wrong with that it's just most people don't yeah and like if you have a financial investment put into it it makes you more willing to do the work than sure if it was handed to you for free but uh i honestly forgot about it until just now (laughs) yeah see so most people they they buy those courses that's i mean online courses are great for some people so i bought an online course i went all the way through it i applied what i learned and you know i made some money but what got me the most amount of money was working side by side with somebody actually hiring a coach to walk me through. Like, here's what I think. And, and getting real time. The course is great. If you want to learn a certain skill, how do I launch a podcast? Go through this course. Nowadays. I just think that if you, and now it depends on the person. I just think if you Google it, like you'll find out, like just Google how to do this stuff, watch YouTube videos. Mm-hmm or hire a coach. I just, I can't, I, I'm slowly losing the value of the online course and I've taken all mine down. I used to have a bunch of online courses. I don't even do that anymore because I'll get your money, but like, has, has anybody reached out and said, Hey, how did you like my course? Did you use it? Oh, you didn't use it. Well then let's see what we can do for you to make sure that you really optimized your investment. Most people won't do that. They'll get your money. You'll get the course. And then that's the end of the transaction. There's no lifetime value of the customer there. There's no, now you're on my email list because um, you know, you bought a course. So of course I got to continue with the sale, but they're not reaching out in the first 30 days saying, Hey, how are you liking the course? 
what did you think? They're not reaching out on the 60 day mark and say, hey, is there anything that you need us to do? They're not reaching out at the 90 day mark saying, hey, you know, it's been 90 days. What have you guys done? Okay, well, you guys aren't really utilizing the course too well. Let me go ahead and give you like an hour of my time and let me coach you on what I think you should be doing because in the past 90 days, you should have launched, you should have been monetizing, you should have been doing this, 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 this. I mean, that's what I would do. But, you know, I'm more of a customer service guy. You know, I, I don't want to just take somebody's money and hope that, that everything worked out for them. That, and that's what I don't like about online courses. Right. He, he's happy to take your money, but they're not going to reach out and say, hey, you know, did you or did you not use our course? Was this course successful or not successful? Right. They'll just take the money and roll. Yeah, there's no accountability behind it. No. It's, it's, like, it's like buying a book and never reading it just to put it on your shelf and say that you have Right. I paid this right. for self-improvement. And, okay, what did you do with it? Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Then you paid that did, much. Did you read the book? Time. <laughs> right. 100%. So I'm not dis- disproving, I guess, was the word that was about to come out. I'll, I'll roll with it. Um. <laughs> courses and stuff like that because if you are truly passionate and want to actually do the work and, and stuff like that then it's going to be highly beneficial um, but that's there's one style of course and there's four learning styles. right my learning style of courses it's like oil and water yep so I would rather work with somebody that like yep like you that uh We'll follow up and actually be like, oh, was it? let's get this done. Set a deadline. So yep. like, oh, like, what are you doing? Like, push me to actually do it. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I procrastinate more than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all do. And if you look at the, the, at the percentage of people that actually finish the course and apply it and succeed on that course, it's very, very, very low. You can put a poll on social media. How many of you bought a course and how many of you would call it a success? You're successful due to that course. Put it on there, right? I guarantee you it'll be like 25%, maybe, maybe a quarter. I don't think that- I'd say an eighth of people. people. I don't think they allow you to do polls on personal pages, but I'll put it on the other one. We'll see. Uh, we'll it'll see. How many of you have bought a course and you attribute your success directly to that course. You finished it, you applied it, you rocked it. And because of that course, right? I guarantee you comments like, oh, I didn't even finish mine. Oh crap, I bought this course. I did it two years ago in 2018. I had thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars wrapped up in online courses and books and products. And I didn't even open half of them. And that was my realization moment in 2019 going through last year's budget going, why? Well, I spent $5,000 on a course, didn't even take it. Wow. I signed up for it. You know, I was like, yeah, let me do that first intro video. Like, woo. And then I got to build a business. Like, I'm just, I'm just a better executor. I don't take in a lot of knowledge. I'm just, I, I execute. That's what I do. I need to know something on the spot. I YouTube it. I look it up. I research it. I got my answer next and I keep on going through my journey mm-hmm. until I hit a roadblock. I saw the roadblock. I keep on going. That's the only time that I'll actually buy something else. If I'm super stuck, I'm like, oh, dang, I can't figure this out. Okay, I'll ask people first, and then I'll just go and see who's got the product, who's got the video, who's got the book, who's got whatever I need. I'll read through it, apply it, roadblock unlocked, next, keep going. I like that you said that you would seek out the person or the the uh, uh I totally just drew a blank. Uh, the person or the the source of yep what you need, they whoever has it that you would seek them out. Uh, a lot yep. of people that like I still hear to this day. Why the hell would you hire a life coach? That's stupid. Well, <laughs> what do you want in life? Well, I want to be successful. Okay, what do you define as success? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to have to check my bank account every day. Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, I don't know. Don't you think somebody could help you do that? Hmm. All right. Yep. Then. There you go. Shut up. Yep. So on that, could, <laughs> right? like, oh man. On it's, that note, it's a it's a funny world. I, I do have one question for you. And sure. that, what is your personal definition of success? 
My personal definition of success is if I set a goal and I achieve it. Love it. It's not high. It's not low. It's not whatever. You know, this notion that, well, if you're not a net worth millionaire, you know, who says the top 1% of people in America earn $435,000 a year, top 1%. So what you're saying is if I earn, if I earn $450,000 a year, you're saying I'm not a success considering I'm in the top 1% of anybody who earns anything. Like, like, I don't know, like who sets the standards on who defines what a success is. It, it, that totally bothers me a lot. As you couldn't tell, I, I, I look, I was like, well, I want to be successful. I'm like, well, did you wake up this morning? Yeah. Success. Number one. Did you eat something this morning? Yeah. I had breakfast. Awesome. You have food in your house. Success. Number two. I mean, it's the small wins, man. Every small win adds up. Everybody tries to hit home runs in baseball. Everybody does. Everybody wants to talk about these home runs. Why are we not talking about the guys who are getting on base all the time? Oh, wait, there was a movie called Moneyball. And yep. they talked about winning a championship based on who got on base, not hit who, not hit, not who hits home runs. Like Literally, you need to watch this movie, Moneyball. Yeah, I, I actually made a post on, I think it was Facebook this morning that said, uh, it's Monday. You were given another day, but you were not given today to be mediocre. Right. Love it. <laughs> Love that. Small wins, man. Every small win. So I set my yearly goal. What's my yearly goal? What do I need to achieve? The money I want to make. What do I want to create? I set stats for myself because what you track gets measured and what you measure can be impacted. So what you track gets measured. You measure it against year after year after year. And what you measure gets impacted. So if I'm measuring how much money from last year to this year, how much money I want to make next year, how much, like you can make an impact on that. You can make an impact on how many podcast episodes you're on every year, mm -hmm. how many speaking engagements you have, how much money you earn, how many programs and products and services you create, how many customers you want to reach, how many emails you want to send. Like these are all things that I track and measure. So if we're going to sit here and talk about the small wins and everything, I set my yearly goal every January 1st. I'm like, this is my yearly goal. I want to be on 60 podcasts. I want to speak, you know, 30 times a year. I want to earn, you know, $150,000 from my business and I want to do, you know, whatever. So last year we earned 116. We missed our, we missed our goal. I said 150,000. We had 116, but it's still good for, working on it half the time. Remember, I'm active duty military. I built a business that sustains a six-figure income for part-time. Can you imagine if I was retired and had to do this full-time? I'd double it. I'd triple it. I just don't have the time to do it. Especially when you get bored and you have nothing better to do instead of turning on TV. <laughs> right. And right. not a Netflix marathon, you just be like, oh, hey, let's build out this. And, uh, right. You know. Exactly. Yep. So... I set my yearly goal and then I set my monthly targets. I have to, my monthly target, this is what I have to do. My monthly targets are broken down into weekly tasks. What are my weekly tasks that I have to do? And then my weekly tasks are set into daily goals. So if I want to be, let's say I want to make 150,000. Well, monthly, what does that translate into? Okay. So I have to figure out 150,000, okay? Then that's divided into 12, which gives me a roughly about 12,500 whatever dollars a month. I need to make 12,000 a month, right? So if I take that and I have $12,500 every month I need to make, what do I have to make weekly? Well, since there's four weeks in every month, I got to make $3,000 a, a week, roughly 3032 whatever it is math-wise, right? 3200 let's call it 3200 bucks. $3,200 is what I have to make every week to make the, the $12,000. Well, because there's seven days in a week, how, many, how much money do I have to make every day? If I make $450 for and some change, whatever, 450. I have to make $450 a day every day for 365 days to make 150,000. If I start off saying I got to make 150,000 and I make a thousand bucks, 
in like a week, I'm like, oh man, come, man, this is wow, harder. Well, I got to make 149 now, right? But if I say, okay, every day I'm going to make $349 or 450 bucks or you know whatever's going to be, whatever your target is, I'm going to make this much money a day, and I hit it, I've achieved my goal. If I don't make anything for four days and all of a sudden I make $15,000 in one day, I've made my, it doesn't matter. In seven days, I need to make X amount of dollars, 3,000, 3,200, whatever. Every month I need to make $12,500. In January, February, and March of this year in 2020, I made $10,000 each month. And I was like, ah, I'm a little, little shy, but that's okay because we're on track. If I just make $10,000, you know, I'll make $120,000 or whatever, you know, math wise, it adds up to, I'll be all right. So just take your yearly goal, break it down into monthly targets, weekly tasks, and daily goals, and then start chipping away at those daily stuff, man, the daily tasks that you need to, that you need to hit. And I promise you, you will get more done in a year than you think. I love it. And don't procrastinate procrastinate as well <laughs> don't be like me i'd wait till day six and go oh crap <laughs> i'm just kidding uh, but uh i like that because you break it down and make it really simple and then uh as long as you are accountable uh for yourself or, or have an accountability partner that's totally achievable um yep. absolutely those numbers really aren't too far off to to be honest i mean you, you hear 450 a day you're like oh, how do you do that but then like 12,000 a month okay that's not bad <laughs> so I, I don't know it, it just depends on uh your way of perspective there yep totally doable man absolutely i promise you it's totally doable awesome well uh i'm gonna wind this down just a little bit i know that you're a busy sure. guy and you've got a lot to, to do today so um, where can people find you besides, uh, booking you on the successcore.com? Yeah. Uh, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube at the success core and the, uh, and, and life transformation radio. It's all on YouTube. You can look up my name, Sean Douglas, or look up the success core. Uh, you can also look at create launch monetize.com. If you got something, if you got a business you want to launch, if you have an idea, you have anything that you want to do, look at createlaunchmonetize.com. Send me an email at info at createlaunchmonetize.com and we'll set you up. We'll set you up with how to create, launch, and monetize anything that you want to create, launch, and monetize. I love it. I'm excited for that project. And uh, uh, I'm going to be man. following that one pretty closely. Yeah, it does a lot. I mean, I, when I tell you that we break things down, I'm telling you that we break things down. What website to use, what mic to use. What, I mean, we literally break everything down because a lot of people get uh, paralysis by analysis. There's like 15 mics that you could use. Which one do you do? Just pick a damn microphone, you know, like just pick a software already. You oh, know, so, so many so, people and they're like, Hi, oh, I have the snowball and uh, I've got this $200 microphone and it sucks. I'm like, mm. mine was like 20 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, and it works just fine for now. Like it, like it doesn't ma like just start, man. Like stop analyzing everything. And so like I was speaking at PodFest and I asked Pat Flynn, you know, we we're both speaking at the event and he gets off stage and just kind of talking backstage was like, man, you hit on so many amazing points. How do you just decide? He goes, you just do, man. Like you just pick something or pick somebody. Pick somebody you look up to, see what they're doing and just follow their footsteps. Yeah. So I was like, well, I look up to you. He's like, okay, what podcast might you use? I'm like, audio technic, I don't really like it. He's like, well, I use a high LPR 40. So we get a high LPR 40. I'm like, got it. So I bought a high LPR 40 mic. And I was like, well, what's it plugged into? He's like, a Focusrite 2i2 mixer. Like, okay, USB, he's like, yep, plugs right in there. I'm like, that's it? He's like, that's it. Get your boom mic, get your shock map, done. I'm like, huh, I don't need anything else. He's like, nope. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, how do you record it? He's like, oh, I can use Zencast, you can use Squadcast, you can use Zoom, you can use Skype, you can use anything at Blog Talk Radio, you can do anything you want. I said, well, I use Blog Talk Radio. He's like, so do you have your hosting platform? I said, but what if I want to move to Libsyn? He's like, 
decide. Just pick one and roll. You don't like it? Move on to something else. Like, all right. So that's what I did. We actually started with Libsyn, and they uh, freaked out at our logo and wouldn't approve anything. Told that's, us to change it. That's weird. So we uh, switched over to Simplecast, which nobody – Simplecast uses. is good. <laughs> and I love it so far. It's super basic. There's not a lot to yep. it. But it hosts a website for us, so that part's cool. There you go, man. Simplecast is really cool. Yeah, I like it. Well, yeah, you cool, should man. get them as a sponsor, man. Have them sponsor an episode. Oh, that would be cool. Like, hey, guys, I use Simplecast as a hosting platform. Would you guys want to take an ad out on my show? Because it goes to Apple, it goes everywhere. Like, I don't know why hosting platforms are not taking ads out on people's podcasts. Like, give me a break. You're much, oh, my God. Like, that's the one thing, man. Like, you're a podcast hosting platform. Libsyn, Podbean, Blueberry, um, Blog Anchor. Talk Radio, Anchor. Like, why are you not paying podcasters to advertise on their platforms? That to me blows my mind. If I had a podcast network or a podcast hosting software like Zencaster Squad, I would be investing in so many podcasts. I would be, I would be contacting podcasters. I'd be emailing, by, hey, who you use to record? Oh, you Zoom. Oh, cool. Well, what about Squadcast? What about Zencaster? Oh, well, I use Skype. Awesome. What about Squadcast? What about Zencaster? If I was Zoom, I'd make a Zoom platform just for podcasters. I'd have some kind of cool background. I'd make, I would make a feature specifically for podcasters to where I can, I don't know, do something that no other, no other platform can do. I don't know what it is, but it's gotta be some kind of like, like, you know, I have a virtual background right now. Like I love my virtual background. So maybe it's some kind of a, Maybe it's a wave file that go, that the waveform that goes across the screen, or maybe there's automatic transcripts, or maybe I'm thinking, I don't know something specifically to cater to podcasters to bring them to your platform. That is what people need to be doing, but they won't, and they'll continue to you know slow roll their their avatars and slow roll their clients and and listeners, and it'll be the way it is until somebody has enough and creates their own thing. You just brought a really good idea to my brain. Just saying. Doing all in one with the calendar, the email system. Dude, everything. One huge CRM platform specifically for podcasters. You can record on it. You can send emails on it. You can launch a website on it. You can, I mean, an all in one platform. And I guarantee you people, and you can create a funnel on there. You can create like anything you want. If you took the best parts of all of the softwares that are out there and created a software specifically for podcasters and people can go on there and you can have a link to like, you can have a backdoor area that people can like go in and like a Calendly links. You wouldn't need Calendly anymore. They can just book it right on your platform, but not everybody can get that link. Only the certain people, right? So it's got to be like, like a membership area, right? You pay a membership area and then, and that's a great way to monetize, create a membership area for your podcast. If you're a member of my membership area, then absolutely you can come on my show. Right? So now maybe it's 50 bucks a month. They pay one time. They get to come on your show. They cancel the membership. Who cares? They paid you 50 bucks. Absolutely. I like it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to like just saying part out because that idea is gold. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to leave it. But <laughs> <laughs> I like your style, man. I like where your like, head's at. I like this all in one CRM. And if anybody creates that, you better be paying us for it too. Dude, for real, man. You heard it here first. You heard it here first right now. You heard it here. So, <laughs> yep. God, you just sparked, like, my my mind is, like, right now, just on fire, running through ideas. <laughs> Do it, man. Do it. Start writing it down. Start writing a business plan. Absolutely. Awesome, dude. I, I'm going to let you go. You've got a cool. lot to do. Um, yeah, I got a coaching call coming up. I got to go pick my kid up from school. So, awesome. I appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate you being willing to hop on the show and support the little guys. And uh, yeah, I really man. enjoyed talking to you. I could probably talk to you all day about antiques and buying uh, <laughs> Love it. storage units and uh, all of that. Like I could, I go crazy and nobody I know actually is into it. So I was like, sweet. I found somebody I can talk to about it. <laughs> oh dude. I love that stuff. I love American pickers. I love 
um, options and stores where oh, I love that love stuff. It. <laughs> love it. I'm, I geek out of that stuff, man. So do I. I even have a couple apps like Storage Wars has games that I play on my phone like all the time. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Don't go. Oh, that's unless awesome. Unless you want to like waste five days of your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Oh, man. Super cool. I'm going to have to have you on my show, man. I love the conversation that we had. I'm going to have to get you on my show. That would be awesome, man. I would. Yeah, man. I'll send you a calendar be... link. All right. Perfect. We'll talk soon, man. All right. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, man.